you need a Bible, won't you raise your hands, our ushers will get you one. Now, if you've been here for the last, I don't know, four or five weeks, we've been talking about a thing called the School of Freedom. And it's designed to set each one of us free from things in our life. I encourage you, if you had not been here all along, that, that all these CDs are available. Some of them are on the iPods you can get also. But if you've battled judgment in your life, I'm going to tell you guys, that's bondage. If you've battled unforgiveness, that's bondage. If you've ba ba battled these things called inner vows, bondage. And even last week, we talked about generational curses, the iniquities of them. This week, we're going to hopefully, and I'm not going to say this is the last one, but I believe we're moving in that direction toward that. And freedom for all of us, guys, isn't denial. It's not ignoring things and thinking they'll go away. It's not even the thought of, I can fake it till I make it. That wasn't God's design. But true freedom comes when we begin to understand the Word of God and what Jesus did for us. And we receive the Word, we apply the Word, and we start living the Word of God. And there'll be freedom in that. Also, freedom comes from living within the boundaries that God sets up. God has put perimeters on every one of us. And if I'll live within those boundaries that God said, I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to be blessed. Now, I'm not going to preach judgment or condemnation. That's never my heart, and so don't take it that way. But one thing we got to understand is, is it worse to live with the problem or to walk out the solution? And so that's big that each one of us understand that. Now, I'm going to go a place here this morning, but Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. Now, as one translation says, As you fantasize in your soul, so is he. Now, I'm going to tell you right now before I get going. If you've got young ones in here, you better use your discretion because I'm going to say some things in here this morning that are going to drop a bomb on you as a parent in a good way. Now, they may need to hear this. I apologized to one of our dads in the first service, and he said, Pastor, don't you dare apologize to me. He said, I rejoice that you spoke about that. So, just warning you. Now, go with me into the New Testament to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Since you've been born again, or maybe in your life, even up to you've been born again, have you ever had bizarre or crazy thoughts where you begin to look and think, man, am I even born again to have these kind of thoughts? Probably every one of us in here have had things like these. And many times, these are birthed out of emotional wounds that we get. And you know where we usually uh, get these from? Our teenage years. And this is an easy verse to, to memorize. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, says, Flee youthful lusts. The Amplified says, Shun them and flee them. So much of what takes place in our life is birthed in our teenage years. Now, one thing I want you to know, especially you young ones, if you never open the door to the lust of the flesh that come after as a teenager, you'll never have to deal with it. But if you're like me, you're going to have to deal with it. And once again, guys, I wasn't real thrilled about preaching this. I tried to talk God out of it. I said, Lord, I don't want to talk on that. And he said, no, you're going to expose yourself and you're going to, to, to present the gospel in a way that people can see, even in your life, how God set you free. I'm telling you, the first summers, they were strung out up here. 
And man, I shook. I cried all morning saying, Lord, I don't want to do this. Actually, I told the Lord before the first service, I said, if I had something else to preach today, I'd preach that. You know what he said? No, you're not. So I got over and I thought, this is great. And then you know what? The worst thing happened. I looked and there's my mom and dad. And I thought, oh, Lord. Help me, Jesus. But I believe he's going to help us. I believe he's still going to speak to your heart. Now, what happens with these emotional wounds that if I don't deal with them, guys, these become the scars of my soul. These become the imprints of my pain. And not only that, many times these emotional wounds become tied to our thoughts. 1 Thessalonians 4, begin with me in verse 1. Finally then, brethren, fellow believers, we urge and exhort you. Now get that, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more and more and more. Now think about it. That you should abound more and more. He's talking even spiritually. That when I look at this, God does not want me to get a place in my life where I'm stagnant. Where I'm just going through the motions. But he says, I want you to abound more and more. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I want to abound more and more in the things of the kingdom. How? Look what he goes on to say. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And you know what that tells me right there? You want to abound in the things of God? Then you're going to have to learn to walk in the perimeters and the boundaries that God has set up. And when I do that, oh man, I'm going to tell you, there's freedom. There's victory in this. Verse 2. For you know what commandments, guidelines, or instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You know sanctification means you've been set apart. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That you should avoid sexual immorality. And so I can stand here before you guys and just say, in my teenage years, I did not obey that. I did not follow that. And so even in my own life, there became consequences for that. Verse 4, or 5, now verse 4. That each of you should know how to possess or control his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, who have no knowledge of God. That no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Also, we forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Now, if you take this in content, what he's saying here in verses 1 through 8, the uncleanliness that he's talking about is when I get into sexual immorality. I don't care who you are. If you get into sexual immorality, you have gotten into uncleanliness. And he says right here that we should live in holiness... And not uncleanliness. Verse 8. Therefore he who rejects or disregards this does not reject man but rejects God. Who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Now when I begin to look at this guys. When I disrespect or disregard the things of God. I can do that. Every one of us in here can do that. You have a right, you have a choice to do that. But you must understand today, there's going to be consequences for doing it. 
And the consequences are not good. Now, sex in our society, and some of you said, I've never heard sex talked on a Sunday morning. Well, you're going to. Praise the Lord. Sex in our society, guys, is no longer viewed as a spiritual issue. It's viewed as a culture issue. And when it's viewed as a cultural issue, you know what we always say? The motto of the culture is, if it feels good, do it. Now, when you look at this, the question runs up culturally, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with having sex? Well, the, the, the main message that people will tell you from culturally speaking is you have the risk of getting pregnant and you have the risk of getting a disease. But other than that, what's wrong with it? Well, let's flip that question and let's ask this. What's right with it? What's the purpose of it? And you say, what is the purpose? Well, glad you asked. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and it'll give us some insight right here of the purpose of why God created the sexual relationship. Hebrews 13, begin with me. Verse number 4. Marriage is honorable among all. It's to be held or withheld in honor. Now look right there after it says marriage is honorable among all. And, and, he's continuing his thought here. And the bed undefiled. Now if we really look at that in content, marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed. And so really when I look at it in the content of marriage, God ordained it. God blessed it. Within the covenant of marriage. How do you know that he blessed it within the covenant of marriage? Well, look what he goes on to say here. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, we in our society, we don't like the word fornicators. We don't like the word adulterers. But to help us to thoroughly understand this, you know what a fornicator is? If you're not married and you're in a sexual relationship, you're a fornicator. Pastor, have you ever been a fornicator? I have. I have. I'm going to tell you guys, when I look back at my life, I did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of sinful things before I knew the Lord. I mean, it was in the last week or two that my wife was sharing with some people. And she said this, she said, I don't believe you guys really understand how sinful him and his brother were. And I looked at her and I thought, dang, were we really that bad? And when I look at my life, we were, guys. I'm going to tell you, I thank God for his mercy. If I would have died prematurely, guys, there's no doubt in my mind, I'd been in hell. There's no doubt. And so I walked in this. This isn't something that I hadn't walked in. And then the second one, he said, is an adulterer. Now listen to me. The bottom line is at the end, he says, God's going to judge it. I don't care who you are, that's every one of us. So we fall underneath this. The message says God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Now listen real close here. The reason sex was so important with Father God, that it wasn't just a physical act. See, that's how the world looks at it, it's just a physical act. But in a marriage covenant... It's not only a physical act, it becomes something that takes place in my heart spiritually and even emotionally. 
Now what happens in a sexual relationship, whether it's in marriage or outside, part of you is deposited in that other person and part of them is deposited in you. Physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So what ends up happening here, guys, is you receive things from the other person that you might not have wanted to happen without even realizing it. And so really what begins to take place here, a piece of them was transferred into you, and a piece of you was transferred into them. And what ends up happening is it begins to fracture our soul. And it fractures our heart, and it steals from us something that wasn't supposed to go to anybody except in the marriage covenant. Now, turn with me to Proverbs 4, and as you're turning there, this will lighten up the, the atmosphere here just a little bit. Go ahead and show that video, guys. This is a video, and you'll recognize it, but I want you to see the connection that happens in between relationships. Now, right there in that little commercial, that is exactly what happened. Whether we want to realize that, whether we want to admit that or not, we become connected and we look and say, no, we're not. Yeah, you are. No, no. Yeah, yeah. And so that literally happens to us. And so stuff is, is transferred whether we want to believe it or not. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. See, that becomes a choice. One translation says, safeguard your heart. Safeguard your heart. Running a sexual red light, guys, is very costly. Very destructive. And the older I get, the more I realize about a thing called sin, is sin never says, this is what I really am. You think about the sins you commit in your life. Sin lives for the moment. It lives for gratification right there. Sin doesn't smile at you and say, this is what's going to happen a month, nine months, a year from now. Sin just says, this is what I am right now. And so he tells us here, Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it, out of my heart, spring the issues of life, whether good or bad. Now, in my own life, guys, there was a time when I began to have bizarre thoughts. I mean, crazy thoughts. And sometimes I would think, man, am I even born again? To have thoughts like that, where is that coming from? Now, this is a true story. There was a young man who got into his 20s, and he began to have crazy thoughts. And so he went for counseling with his pastor. And he said, Pastor, he said, man, I'm having these crazy thoughts. 
He said they started out real sporadically, but now they just increase every day, every day where I'm bombarded by. And he said they're out of the ordinary. And he said, I can't get away from them. I'm consumed by them. And this may describe you. So the pastor looked at him and said, let me ask you some questions. He said, have you given your mind over to things you've seen on TV or movies? Why is that? Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. The young man said, no, I haven't. He said, have you given your mind over to anything as far as pornography? He said, no. The pastor looked at him and said, let me ask you one more question. Have you ever had a sexual relationship with anybody outside of marriage? And the young man said, yeah, I have. And he said, let me ask you this. The thoughts you're having, is that person that you were involved with sexually, do they have those behaviors that you're thinking? And the young man said, I really don't know. And he went on to say to him, because it's proven over and over and over again the things you experience are the very characteristics of the behaviors of the person you were involved with. And he began to look. And it was an eye-opener to him. In other words, it became very, very, very contagious. Now, when I began to listen to that story at that guy, I said, Lord, Man, I need some help here. Give me some example of that. And this is what the Lord brought up to my heart. That if you were in a relationship and your partner had a bad cold, you would know, man, I don't want to get near them. I want to wash my hands. I don't want to kiss them. The last thing I want to do is kiss them. Why? Because you understand that them being contagious with this, it would be very likely that you would get that cold. So in the natural, you know what we do? We run from that. We say, don't breathe on me. Stay over there. But think about it in the spiritual realm or the soul realm. The same thing transpires. That when I give myself over to them sexually, not only was it a physical act, but those things that were running in their soul and their heart a piece of that has now been transferred to me. And I begin to look at this in my own life, and I thought, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Lord, you got to help me here. Look over to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. And listen, guys, this is to help you. This is to help you. This isn't to condemn Proverbs 14, verse 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. Interesting. There's a way that seems right to man. Didn't say to God. There's a way that seems right to man. The message says a way of life that looks harmless. See, and this is where we get into the culture view that once again our society says that's harmless. Everybody's doing it. Is it? He goes on to say, But its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of pain. So when I look at this, we have two choices. We can be attracted to the physical pleasures, the lust that we want, or we're going to serve God with our whole heart. 
We're going to obey God and live for the Lord. Now, guess what? It's a choice for every one of us. I can either follow my own way. God's not going to stop you from doing that. But you got to understand there's going to be consequences. Now, when I begin to look here at this, to live for God, you're going to have to go upstream. You're going to go against the flow of this world. Even Jesus in, in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he said this. There's a road, there's a gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, but few are on it. Now I look at this and I can't go back and relive my life, guys. And so as a young one, as a teenager, I'm going to tell you guys, don't open your life up to that stuff. It causes pain, it causes hurt. And so I believe this is what the Lord is beginning to deal with right here. That maybe, just because you've been bombarded with these thoughts, could it be tied to a soul tie? That you didn't intend for it to happen, but it still happened. Now, there's two main factors or two main ways or forms that you have these soul ties. They're formed through, through sexual immorality or number two, and I'm only going to get in this for a second. Through a thing called witchcraft, fortune telling, horoscopes, seances. Because even in that, you've tied yourself to another person even in the spirit realm. Now listen real close. There was a young lady and she began to be bombarded with bizarre, bizarre, bizarre thoughts. Day after day, night after night, and they weren't good thoughts. They were thoughts of suicide. They were thoughts of destruction. Just crazy. She goes in for counseling. They ask several questions. They said, have you ever been tied to anyone in this form, that form? She ends up saying that as a teenager, there was a lady that lived on the block where she lived that began to invite all the teenagers in the neighborhood open over every Thursday afternoon for what seemed to be harmless, what seemed to be fun. And you know how it started out? They went over and they started messing around with the Ouija board. How many of you have ever messed around with the Ouija board? Bunch of us. This is how it starts out. But before long, this lady begins to get them in seances where they begin to, to, to contact the spiritual realm in a way that you don't want to mess with. And she said they kept doing it week after week after week. So they're a year into it. And a year into it, one of the teenagers commits suicide. The next week, another commits suicide. The next week, another one attempts it but fails. Within a month's time, there was like four or five of them that had died as suicide, and several of them tried. But ultimately, the lady who led it, the older woman, she commits suicide. Now, this young girl in her teenage years, she moves from that neighborhood, and as she moves, she just leaves her memories of that behind. She tries to get it out of her mind, and she thought she had. But now, all of a sudden, in her mid-20s, this stuff starts coming back up. And it starts bombarding her. Her thoughts, everything. What can we do about this? How can I do anything about this? Look to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28. Now guys, I'm just showing you some things. 
that become very real to us when we have these type of connections. And you know what? Once again, I'm not judging anybody. Every one of us have gotten into things that we probably shouldn't have. Proverbs 28. Now, this is a good passage here. Verse 13. He who covers, conceals, or whitewashes his sin will not prosper. Point blank right there. I mean, I don't know any other way we can put that. And so you know what the Lord is telling us here? we got to repent. we got to repent of these things. And then look what he goes on to say. But whoever confesses, admits, and forsakes and leaves them will have mercy. So guess what he's asking me to do? Number one, he's telling me, man, you've got to confess this. You've got to admit it. But number two, you've got to leave it. You've got to forsake it. See, I can confess it all day long, but until I start removing myself from that. And so, guys, I begin to do that. I begin to repent of all the, the, the relationships that I had that weren't godly. And one day the Lord said this to me. He said, if you would take another step and ask me to sever and disconnect anything, any one of these, these soul ties that had been deposited within me or I had been tied to. And so just like that, guys, I said, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that any one of these soul ties that I had, I ask you by the blood of the Lamb, in the name of Jesus, that you sever that, that you disconnect that in my heart. Guys, you know what? I begin to sense a freedom. My mind begin to go at ease. Did it stop overnight? No. No. That was the first step. What becomes the second? Go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this will give you some more insight on what i got to do. See, those things, man, they, they bombarded my thoughts. They begin to dominate me. I didn't like it. But once again, you know the truth. The truth will set you free. It'll help you. This is what the Word of God's designed to do. 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal of the flesh, but they're mighty in who? They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. For pulling down strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? Something that's got a stronghold on you. In other words, it's got you in a headlock. And it drags you around. But he tells us here, the things of God, they're strong and mighty in him for this purpose. And so you know what the Lord knew? He knew that some of us would have some strongholds in our life. But he didn't say, ah, let them figure it out theirself. No. So look what happens in verse 5. Casting down arguments, theories, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now get this. Bringing every thought into captivity bringing every thought into captivity now strongholds guys they're first established in our mind that's where they they originate at this is why every thought's got to be held captive because if i don't start capturing it it's going to lead to a bondage so listen once i broke that in the name of jesus and by the blood of the lamb and i believe it was severed every time 
that a thought would try to rise up in me, and I'd cast it down in the name of Jesus. I'd say, uh-uh. God set me free from that. God delivered me from that. Now, I can stand before you today, and I can say, I'm telling you, there's been an incredible peace upon me. And I mean just walking in a freedom, walking in a liberty. And all it was, guys, is I began to get knowledge of the Word of God, and I did what the Bible said. I confessed, and I asked God to begin to move in, and I'm t- you talk about freedom. I got so, so excited, so blessed. But listen, don't treat the thought like it never came, okay? Don't treat the thought like it never came. You've got to cast it down in Jesus' name. So where are we at here today, Pastor? Well, this is one of the areas I believe that God wants to bring freedom to us. This, for me, answered a lot of questions. I'm telling you, I had people in the first service after it was over, they were saying, oh my gosh, I've been living with this for years. Now, in between services, this is what happened. I, I was reminded of a woman that what happens, Pastor, as a woman, if I've ever been raped? And I looked, man, when she said that. And I said, I know that was beyond your control. But I do believe this, guys. Whether you liked it or not, something was deposited within your soul. And so you know what? The blood of Jesus will cleanse it. The blood of Jesus will set you free. I'm going to tell you. And so I don't say that with condemnation, but I never really thought in that term until the woman brought that up to me. And I knew in her heart this is what happened. You know what came out? I've suffered with the craziest dreams, the even crazy thoughts about myself. Woo, thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Stand up with me this morning here. This is a good day, guys. This isn't a bad day. I 